Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. As if you've been listening to these episodes over the last uh, week or two, they've been all over the place just because I don't have to be linear, but I'm coming out every day. I'm not, uh, it's not hard to come up with ideas, but forgive me if I want to do an episode for my, my sweet 95 year old mother on her birthday with my sister. So I'm not sure there was a lot of sports card insights there, but uh, I wouldn't be here, but for that. But today is a little different. Again, I go from telling stories that are about relationships to some more analytical things. This one is a little bit more analytical and more on the financial side. And I, I've got a subset of listeners that really like that. And there's other podcasts that deal with it. But I I give my own spin and take on some of these things. So thanks, sponsors. In fact, sponsors ought to, ought to listen to this because they, they may be impacted by what I'm going to say. Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication, CompC.com, Burbank Sports Cards, Mike's Stadium Sports Cards, Huggins & Scott Auctions, Heritage Auctions, Panini, Tops, and Upper Deck. There's been a lot of interest in this and publicity about kind of fractional ownership of uh, cards and memorabilia. There's Rally Road, Collectibles, making a splash. They're making available to the average person a chance to buy a fractional share of something that would be out of reach for almost everybody and, and extremely rare collectibles. And so I think that concept is catching on to some degree. I'm not shooting it down, I, th- I think I might do it a little bit differently, but I certainly affirm that they're clearly from seeing how quickly some of those things sold out, there is interest. So if there's interest, that's good. In fact, there's interest in a lot of things. However, having said that, there's the difference in owning a part of an asset in a closed system versus owning a part of a company. And what I mean by that is that it, like it's better to be a general partner than a limited partner. You have more control. The people that are doing Rally Road that are uh, doing collectible, they hope to make a profit from your investments in the collectibles that they have. So they they have a chance to make money if the collectibles go up, as well as there's some uh, business expense that is that allows them to have a business that would be profitable. And I'm not begrudging that. I'm just saying that uh, most of the wealth creation in our company in our country is based on uh, owning things that, that go up in value and owning things that produce uh, positive cash flow, <laughs> which cards don't always do, but companies uh, frequently do. As I've said, I'm a pro bono consultant. I, that's mainly what I do now. I meet with different groups and um, I'm not pro bono forever. It's mainly first hour being free because I don't really want to be taken advantage of. I'm not going to be free forever, but I'm, I'm willing to give almost any organization a free first hour of engaging with what their issues are to help them improve in some way or get unstuck. So I've had uh, three very interesting pro bono consulting conversations in the past month with three different groups, each thinking about investing in the hobby in our, and they don't think it's a hobby. They think it's an industry and they have serious money. So three different groups. I'm, I have more visibility. I'm more accessible from having this podcast. I, I people now know I'm Dr. James Beckett at gmail.com. I've said that enough times. So I'm available. And so I'm being contacted. And so I had three different contacts and uh, they're not just interested. You would think they're just interested in buying cards. and No, they're interested in buying or starting or investing in a company that would profit from our industry. So they want to benefit not just from buying low and selling high of a, of an individual piece of memorabilia or a card or a set. They think there's a, a permanent opportunity to make some money and build a company to buy it, to start it, to invest in it. And so, Again, that's, that's what happens. 
So three different groups. I'll tell you a little bit about each one. In fact, I'll tell you a very little bit about the first two because I, I don't want to betray any confidences. But the first one was a traditional private equity company with uh, plenty of money set aside and a, and a strong track record of acquiring uh, companies or even having minority investments in companies that are winners. This hobby sure looks like a winner. Enough said about group one. That's understandable. And uh, group two, <laughs> another group that called me it was more of an ad hoc group. And it involves some former and current collectors with deep pockets who are also considering maybe they would buy something or build something. And they just wanted to bat around the idea of what are the opportunities in our industry. As I said, I'm going to give anybody an hour free. After that, I would turn my meter on. Group three, I can tell you a little bit more about, okay? Because that's it was a different kind of thing. And it's actually a different stage. And it's the title of this episode. It's a, a sports card SPAC. SPAC is Special Purpose Acquisition Company. I've got a little bit of experience with SPACs, actually invested in one uh, a number of years ago. It's not an automatic home run, but many of them have turned out great. And it's been increasingly in vogue to consider as a way to bring bring a company in, into the public market in a more efficient way than just doing an IPO. So it's indirect and it's clever. The, you, you first raise the money and then you go find a company to buy. And again, everything has to be approved. There's all kinds of rules, but the money is raised first and there's a corporate public shell established. So the company that's acquired would be immediately a public company where people can buy shares. So the money is raised and then the founders of this SPAC would go looking for a company or companies. In our industry's case, it would probably be more than one company because they're generally uh, pretty uh, substantial uh, amounts of money that is raised because they're they're, uh, this, these are serious investors, very serious investors. And so they're going to try to buy the company with this money that's already set aside. Now, the money is only set aside for a year and a half, two years max, or the money has to be returned. So they're, that you have the money, you're looking for something to buy. And, uh, these guys are, and they're guys, they are interested in, in something in our industry. And, uh, they surely don't think this is too late <laughs> that, uh, that there's been a run up. But they believe this is a proof of concept that this is a, an industry that has a lot of dynamic element and excitement. And so they're very optimistic that they can find a, a company or co- a, truly companies that could be identified and purchased. Now, PSA is public. So they're not, that's not what I'm talking about. Since PSA is already public, again, there's, I know lots of people that have, that have uh, shares of PSA and they can get the annual report and see how they've done. And PSA has done very well this year. Back in uh, probably in the eighties, I would say I bought, I, I would, I bought like a hundred shares of every public company that was related to our industry. And that meant Nike. It actually did mean, mean PSA at some point. I don't know if that was a little later. But every public company, a tops was public at one time. What you get for that, you get the, if there's dividends, you get that. If you, if it goes up, you can sell. If it goes down, you can sell. You get an annual report so you can see what's going on. But in the annual report for a public company, the competitors can see as well. Okay. So if this SPAC gets rolling and uh, they're, they're, it's an early stage, but if they were to acquire a company or companies within our industry, why would the, the company's owners do that? Well, they actually could trade their company for cash. They could get a bunch of cash and they could get stock in the SPAC. So they, they could sell it, but retain an interest. Again, that is very similar to what Collectible did with the 53 Tops mantle, except that when you're investing in that, you're just investing in the card. I'm talking about investing in the company. The exciting thing about the SPAC concept is that if it's successful and gets rolling, then any collector can later invest 
in that SPAC company through NASDAQ with your stockbroker. And so therefore, you could participate financially, or you would have been if it had been in place a year ago in the amazing run-up in, in just the general sports card and memorabilia industry. Now, again, we assuming the bull run continues, there are no sure things. The stock market goes up, the stock market goes down. But this would be a stock that would be traded and available with your stockbroker that dealt with, I, I hate to say company, but companies within our industry. I think the, these founders of the SPAC are thinking that they would, because it's you're talking about many millions of dollars to be public, it's not cheap to be public, so you have to have a certain economy of scale to, to justify being public. And that means they're probably looking at taking multiple synergistic positions within our industry, not just buying... Uh, uh, one company, but buying a couple of companies and putting them together with the, like I say, the synergy of putting some things together and be, become, and they're thinking big. <laughs> it's to become a real powerhouse. And again, they'll have the money up front to go looking for who wants to sell their company. And, uh, and again, they can retain some interest in. Am I in favor of this? I'm really generally in favor of honest people making money and honest people coming into the industry, honest people with uh, fat wallets. That's good too. I'm, I'm always uh, in favor of things that make the pie bigger. The publicity, the, the recent publicity probably is benefiting all of us. So if you find this interesting, you can check it out. Uh, check out what a SPAC is. You can talk to your broker or uh, trusted uh, financial professionals. I'm not giving investment advice other than it's very interesting to me that some uh, very savvy financial people are sniffing around our industry and thinking of ways that they can make a splash other than just buying a card or buying a set or buying some memorabilia, but buying a company that allows them to also probably buy stuff, but, but would be a profitable venture. Thanks everybody. That's, that's my story on the SPAC. You can look it up. And uh, again, they're not common, but it could be a very interesting way that the rank and file collector could participate in terms of the public broad market of having shares in a company that would be exciting because it would be involved with uh, aspects of our industry. So thanks everybody. Thanks sponsors. Be back again tomorrow with another episode.